You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys here today. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. We will be there in just a moment. Uh, We've been in a series entitled Happily Ever After now for uh, several weeks. And so uh, several new resources are in the cafe. If you've not been in there in a while, uh, a lot of great marriage books. Francis Chan just came out with a new book. Uh, Matt Chandler just came out with a new book. We have both of those in uh, the cafe. There's a book in there on parenting called Sticky Faith that I encourage every parent uh, to read in here today. It, It would be a great, great resource for you. There's also a study guide that goes with it that gives you tons of practical um, uh, guides and helps and things like that to do with your kids to make their faith stick and uh, as they grow older. And so uh, we're just kind of landing here today talking about parenting. Um, Parenting for me, I've got four children. um, and, And so for me, parenting is the most difficult thing I've ever done in my entire life. Um, it's more difficult than, than being a husband and, and figuring out the whole marriage thing. Uh, it's more difficult than leading a church. Uh, it's more difficult uh, than any sport I've ever played, including golf, uh, including golf. Um, it, it's just so challenging. And at the same time, it's one of the most rewarding things I've ever done as well. Uh, but if you, if you parent well, um, then it's going to be extremely challenging. Um, as my kids were growing up, I could tell several stories, but um, one of the stories that sticks out to me most is, is the one um, that really solidified that, that I wasn't doing a great job as a parent. I mean, I think as a, when my kids were little, we, we thought we were gonna have the perfect kids and they were gonna you know, act right all the time and dress well and talk well and everything was gonna be perfect. But um, one day my, my son at the time, he was five and, and uh, my daughter Brooke was four. And so um, anytime your wife asks, hey, are the kids doing okay? And you know, as a dad, if you're kind of listening and you hear them arguing or fighting in the room or whatever, you're like, yeah, things are good. I, you know, things are fine. But if she asks you that question and there's silence, you're like, you, you don't hear them, you know something bad is about to happen. And that's, that's what's going on here. I mean, anytime you're like, you're watching TV or you're just doing stuff, and you're like, wait a minute, I haven't heard the kids in a while. You know, something bad has happened. You go in and they've colored on the wall or something, they've ruined something. And so um, at this time, uh, we heard this loud crashing, booming down the steps into a screaming, um, I'm hurt cry. So Micah runs in, she sees um, a, a clothes basket that my, my daughter Brooke was in and she had fallen out of and she sees my son at the top of the steps with the, oh crap, I'm in trouble look, you know? And as soon as she sees like she's crying, Micah looks up at Bryson and he, he does the whole, I'm, I'm about to get in trouble so I'm gonna fake an injury and cry routine. So he holds his knee, he's like, like that and she's like no you're flopping that is not that's not going well Brooke is crying so she cleans up all the blood and everything and she's you know she's okay and everything's fine you know but Bryson had put her in a clothes basket and you know they thought that would be a good idea to slide down the steps and so I get home from work later and 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 I wanted to hear their side of the story so I'm listening to the story and everything and and um as she's smiling and laughing I'm looking at her looking at her teeth and, and she's smiling and I'm like you chipped your tooth, you know? So it's like she comes down the steps, she chips her tooth. Luckily it was a baby tooth. She didn't, you know, it, it, so she lost it anyway. But it's just like, that's, that's kind of what it's like as a parent. It's like every day something's new. And I remember asking Bryson, you know, he's, he's just barely five years old. I'm like, Bryson, 
what were you thinking? And he said, dad, it was an accident. <laughs> it was an accident. Like, it's not an accident when you purposely put your, your sister in the clothes basket and shoot her down the steps. But, but you know, as, as parents, you know, I think we realize we're, we're not gonna be perfect and, and our kids are not gonna be perfect. And then at the same time, one of my biggest questions as a dad is how do I get them through this, this stage of their life with as few chipped teeth as possible? And as they get older and become teenagers, how do I help them manage their life in such a way that they, they get through the, 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 the teenage and college years with as few scars as possible? Notice I didn't say with no scars because they will make mistakes and there will be issues that, that, that come around that will scar them emotionally, physically, spiritually. But as a dad, I wanna, I wanna position them and parent them well in such a way that I'll minimize those issues in their life. And ultimately, how do I raise them in such a way that as they go to college, they actually uh, continue a relationship with God and they stay engaged with church. And, and as they get their own family and they, they get married and they, they go have their own life and job that they are committed to a church, they're committed to the Lord. And they don't just simply walk away from their faith when they walk out of my home. I say that because statistics are telling us today that our kids that, that grow up in church in large part are walking away from their faith. Here's a few statistics. Barna Research Group says that 61% of today's young adults who had been attending church at one point during their teenage years are now spiritually disengaged. 60%, 61%. A Gallup poll says that 40% of 18 to 29 year olds who attended church when they were 16 or 17 years old are no longer attending church. Lifeway research, they, they did a, a research um, from the ages of 18 to 29 of, of these students who spent a year or more in, a, in some kind of youth group during their, their, their high school years. And they, they found that 65% of those young adults who attended church regularly will stop attending church at, for at least one year during the ages of 18 to 22. So statistics are showing us that kids are growing up and half of them at least are walking away from faith. It's not, it's not landing and, and becoming personal in their own life. On top of all that, as, as kids go to college, the culture in our country now is, is to go wild. Statistics say that 50% of full-time college students will abuse drugs, They'll, they will abuse alcohol. The statistic skyrockets to 80% if your kids are involved in a fraternity or a sorority. So what do we do as parents? I mean, this, this is the life that they, 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 their, their, their life is kind of on trajectory to, to land in this college party scene. How do, we, how do we respond? We don't bury them in our basement and not allow them to experience the world. That's not the answer. How do we prepare them so that they can engage this culture and this world and, and yet still love God and make wise decisions and make church a part of their life and make relationships in the church an important aspect of their life. See, I, I think these uh, statistics are scary, but I also think that with, with the right people and with the right parenting in place, like our kids won't be one of the statistics. And so if, if we get this thing right, if we begin to position our kids and, and, and what I would say today is if we begin to parent with purpose, 
then we'll see the, the kind of kids as they grow up into young adults and in, into their college years and into their young adult life as they get married, making their faith their own. And so what does it look like to parent on purpose? If you're taking notes today, I think that is the most important takeaway today. Everything else is, is good stuff, but today parent with purpose. And otherwise, in other words, don't just think it's gonna happen naturally if you just bring them to church. I think the statistics of these 50 and 60% of kids that are walking away from their faith are growing up in homes where their parents just kind of drop them off at church. They're not engaged in, in a relationship with God. God is a part of their life on Sunday morning, but not a part of their life Monday through Saturday at home. They never talk about God. They never experience God. They never pray. And it's not like a part of who they are. It's just, let's go to church. You know, let, let me drop you off on Wednesday nights maybe. And if that's the kind of parent that you're gonna be, you're not parenting on purpose. Those are the kids I think that are, are, are getting researched today and are falling into that 40 and 50 and 60%, depending on what you read category. So let's do this different. And so let's go to God's word and let's look at, at some, some, some truth from God's word on how you and I should parent. And we start with kids. So, so if you brought your teenagers with you today or your middle schoolers are in here, Good job, because God's getting ready to speak to him. Here's what it says, verse one. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Verse two, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So remember, we were in, um, we were earlier, a couple of weeks ago, we were, we were looking at, um, chapter five, verses 22 and following, where we saw that the husband is supposed to submit himself um, to the Lord and love his wife as Christ loved the church. We talked about sacrifice and what that leadership looked like. And then we looked at what it, um, what it looks like for a woman to submit to her, her husband who's submitting to the Lord. And now he continues this, this, this same train of thought and, and he's saying children must submit themselves to their parents. He just simply says, children, obey your parents. Now, the word obey here is the word hupakuo. It's a compound word and akuo means to listen or to hear and hupo means under. So it literally means, kids, that, that you are to place yourself under the authority of your parents and listen to them. And so this is huge for, for teenagers. It's huge for middle schoolers in the room. God gave you your parents for a purpose, for a reason. It's not an accident that you have the mom or the dad that you have. The people that God has placed in your life, has, he has placed that authority there uh, for you. And so God's call to you is to be submissive to their authority, to come up under their authority and to listen to them. That is actually a call um, and, and a command that God would give to our children. Proverbs 1.8 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. All over the scripture, we see the importance and the value of listening to our mother and our father. Now, now listen, no matter how old you are, I just had a birthday, but no matter how old I get, I'm to honor my mother and my father. I think as our, as our kids um, begin to grow out of the kind of the baby going into the toddler, I think we begin to see some signs of, of you know, failure in some ways. Because I think a lot of times, you know, our kids are getting everything that they want. Sometimes our kids, you know, begin to not be submissive to us, but we, we begin to spoil them in such a way that they begin to get 
whatever they want and, and whenever they want it and, and if they always get their way, if they always talk to you or, or they always talk you in uh, to doing what they wanna do, if that's kind of the habit and, and the rhythm of, of your life, you're creating a self-centered adult. One of the most important things that parents can do is teach their kids how to be submissive to their authority. And so that's gonna go a long way in their life at work because they're gonna have a boss that they're gonna report to. How do I submit myself under that leadership? How do, I, how do I practice mutual submission in my marriage? You know, and so we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And so we're preparing them to, to mutually submit in their relationship with their spouse. And so they're gonna have to understand what that means. And so if you're creating a self-centered adult, they're never gonna be able to hold a job for longer than a year. They're always gonna blame other people for their problems. They're always going to give excuses for why they're not accomplishing what they're supposed to accomplish at work. We're doing them a disservice. And so we have to understand that to, to place them under our leadership, we've gotta lead them well. We've gotta parent with purpose. Here's a couple of statements I gave in the first service that I, I kind of go to in my house. When, when I ask my kids to do something and their response is to whine or to gripe or whatever, your kids probably don't do that like my kids, but my kids do sometimes. And so it's like, I don't want to clean my room or I don't want to do this or, you know, he never gets in trouble. She never gets in trouble. It's not fair. How many of your kids ever use the it's not fair deal? All right, good. So I'm not the only crazy person in the room. Well, here's what I say when they give me the, it's not fair. I tell them fairness ended in the garden of Eden, right? When Adam sinned, nothing was fair after that. So nothing is fair. You're right. It's not fair. Fairness ended in the garden. They say, I don't want to clean my room. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Well, guess what? People in hell want out. <laughs> yeah, they want out. They can't get out. It's too late for them. And guess what? You're going to clean your room right now. And so just put that in your back pocket. Use that one whenever you need to. Place them under your authority and children obey your parents. It says, it says to honor your mother and father, which means to value them or to respect them. And so to value what they say, to value their guidance, to respect their, their guidance. And, and then it says, here's the result. The result of honoring your parents and obeying them, it says this is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you. Now it's not, this is obviously a reference to the 10 commandments, but it wasn't the first number one commandment. What he means is this is the first commandment that God gives to us that actually has a promise to it. In other words, none of the other commandments are giving a promise. Hey, if you do this, this is gonna happen. But here's what God's word says. Young people, if we obey, if we honor, revere, respect our parents, then it will go well with you. In other words, God's blessing will be upon your life. God's blessing will go with you. And it also says that you will live long in the land. So kind of as a, on, a, on a positive note, if you're gonna respect your parents, if you're gonna obey your parents' authority, if you are willingly going to submit yourself under their authority and obey their rules, obey what they're telling you to do, then God says, my blessing will be upon you and you're gonna live a long time. Now I can only imagine what the opposite of that looks like. <laughs> not having God's blessing and potentially not living life as fully as he would intend us to live it. So this is a huge first step as we talk about parenting, allowing our kids to understand submission. Let's look at verse four. Here's what it says. Fathers, 
do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's talk about provoking our children to anger. Now, at this point in this Roman culture, remember um, a man named Paul, he writes a letter to the church in a city called Ephesus. That's where we get this book, this letter called Ephesians. And so in this Roman culture, uh, kids had a a rough time. Uh, There were several different rules that put kids in, in a tough position. And so there was one rule, one Roman law called patria postatus. And it literally meant the father's power. And that just simply meant that the the father had absolute power in that family relationship. He could sell his children into slavery if he wanted to. He could put them in chains and make them work in his own garden if he wanted to. He had complete authority over them. He could punish them any way that he saw fit. There were were no rules or laws against how he would want to discipline his children, even so much as he could could institute the death penalty um, for his own children. There, were, there was actually the freedom for a father when, when the baby, uh, newborn baby was brought to the father, it was laid before his feet. And if he picks up the child and accepts the child, then the child is a part of the family. But he had the option to turn and walk away from that child and they would literally get rid of the child. They would abort that child. I mean, that's, that's the authority that the man had. So when Paul comes on the scenes and he says, look, Dads, do not provoke your children to anger. This was a complete counter-cultural idea that dads would not, in some translations say, exasperate their children, would not provoke them to anger. This is a completely new way and different way for these Roman Christians to view what parenting really truly was as a mom, as a dad. Here's what he says. He gives two commands. He gives one in the negative and one in the positive sense. In the first negative one, he says, in other words, the negative means don't do this. And then he's gonna give a positive that says do this. And so the don't do this part is this. Do not provoke your children to anger. Now the word provoke means to irritate or, or simply to, to make somebody angry or mad. And so how do we, as a, how do I as a dad, how do you as a dad or a mom, Irritate your kids to anger or provoke them to anger. Maybe you might even say provoke them to rebel or rebellion. Now, here's what it doesn't mean because as a dad, I tell my kids to do something like clean up your room and they get mad and they say, I don't want to and they whine. Just because I ask them to do something and they get angry, that doesn't mean I provoke them to anger. I think there's a difference here. And the difference is, am I provoking them in such a way that my harshness is demeaning them? Am I devaluing who they are? Am I coming across so harsh and so, so mean-spirited that I'm crushing their spirit and, and I'm limiting you know, their, 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 um, uh, their, their confidence in such a way that I would, that would overbear them? And, and I think there's a, there's a fine line between when that is taking place. And I think for every kid, it's different. Um, I think for some of my kids, I, you know, I might spank them more than the others because they responded to that. Others, all I would have to do is kind of look at them in, in a, you know, kind of a you're in trouble way and they would crush, the, you know, they would, they would just curl up and do whatever I want them to do. And so they're, they're different. Some I could body slam them and it still wouldn't work, you know? So they're all different. 
But where is that line and what does that look like? I think, I think here are a few helpful tips. I think you'll exasperate your kids. I think you'll provoke them for anger if you do the following. First off, if you're a helicopter mom, if you're a helicopter dad, you're gonna provoke them to anger. In other words, you're hovering over them in everything that they do. So you're, you're with the teacher at school, you know, when little Johnny has somebody that, that offended him because she did this or did that. And, and so you're having the teacher conference all the time and, and you're hovering over them when they're playing sports and, and you're, you know, overly kind of um, with them every time they get a, you know, scraped knee or whatever, you know, and it's like, ah, you know, and it's like, you know, it's either a helicopter mom, you might call it a Velcro mom, always stuck to your kids. You know, here's a perfect example of this. I know a mom who has a division one athlete. He, he's actually uh, playing for an SEC school in his sport. She calls this coach of an SEC division one uh, sports team and complains about her son not getting enough playing time. Now, I'm not the sharpest crown in the box, but if I'm a coach and a mom calls and complains on the division one level about their kid not getting enough playing time, he's never gonna see the practice field, let alone, you know, the game, uh, get, get any playing time in the game. I mean, that's a perfect example of taking it way too far. You'll exasperate your kids if you are a helicopter mom. Here's, here's, a, here's a good rule of thumb. Don't do for your kids what they can do for themselves. So when your kids are fighting with each other, you could step in and correct and you could step in and solve the problem, but can they solve the problem themselves? Yeah. So not every fight that my kids get into, whether it's outside in the driveway playing ball or if it's upstairs or if it's whatever, means that I have to run in and solve it for them. Every issue that they get into on their athletic team doesn't mean they have to go in and solve it. Every little drama that your teenage daughter is involved in in high school doesn't mean you've got to step in and solve it. Let them um, figure that out. And, and, and if my kids are old enough to fold their clothes, then man, fold your own clothes, you know? Clean up your own room, clean up the bathroom that you use and, and teach them to be stewards of the area that we have allowed them to live in. Don't forget, that is your home. And you're letting them live in that little area, right? So take care of that little area that I have given to you. That's, that's how God would, would view the, the resources that he gives to us. Let's teach them those same principles. A couple other things. First of all, if you criticize more than you encourage, you're gonna provoke your kids to anger. So if I'm overly critical and I encourage very, very um, uh, minimally, then I'm gonna provoke them to anger. And so we've gotta, be, we've gotta understand that that encouragement goes a long way. I don't know about you, but I've never got to like the end of the day, gone home from work or whatever and told my wife as she began to compliment me, no, no, honey, no, I've had enough encouragement uh, for the day. I don't need any more. I've never, I mean, I never get to that point. Maybe you do, but, but I never get over encouraged. And so I don't think our kids could, can be overly encouraged, but I do think we have to be appropriate in what we encourage them on because we see the helicopter mom encouraging everything. You know, it's like, oh, it was a perfect pass. Way to go. It was so, it's like, if I was a simple little pass, quit freaking out over the past, you know? And it's like every little thing, it's like, you know, over the top on this deal. And so, so we show our kids what's important by what we reward. And so if you're rewarding your kid for the victory, hey, if you score a goal, I'm gonna give, we're gonna go get ice cream. 
hey, if you, you know, score 10 points or 20 points, however your kids are or whatever, if you do this, then I'm gonna take you to your favorite restaurant. Translation for a kid, to get dad's approval, I've gotta be the best. To get dad's approval and get ice cream, I've gotta get this, you know, this amount of points or goals or I've gotta do this amount of work. And so what they will begin to do is they'll begin to view God in that way too. Like I have to live this way and do this for God to approve of my life. And, and so if we are loving them on a conditional level, we're teaching them some inappropriate things as far as how they relate to God that, that we wanna be careful about. And so I wanna not just reward them for scoring points. I think for me, what I wanna focus on is their commitment and their work ethic. So if they're committed to what they're doing and their work ethic is strong, that's what I want to reward. So their commitment, their work ethic, and most importantly, their character. And so I wanna value when I see them, you know, encouraging other people on their team. I wanna value the, the, the diving on the floor. I wanna encourage the, you know, for me it's basketball. So it's setting a strong pick, you know, that you don't always get credit for setting a screen for somebody, but if it gets somebody open, let's value those things. Let's value when we get thumped in other words, we get beat really bad and we don't have a negative attitude and we're crying and we're pitching a fit over it. But if our kids handle it well, I wanna reward them verbally by saying, you know what, you got, you got your tail stomped today, man, but, but you kept your head up and, and you didn't quit. And I wanna value that because here, who my kids are at 30 is more important than who they are at 12. And I think so often, we're so hyperly critical of who they are at 10, 11, 12. And we're so overly critical about their performance on the athletic field or whatever activity your kids are in when they're 10, 11, 12. And that we forget that there's a bigger picture. And like, I, I want them to use everything that they go through to help develop their character, their commitment and their work ethic. So I wanna focus on those issues. Sports will come and go. Use sports, use sports to get an education. You know, use whatever activity you're involved in, you know, to, to gain influence in life. But ultimately, the knees will go out. <laughs> you know, you'll graduate from college. You know, you may go pro, that's great. Use that to take care of family. But at the end of the day, sports will go away. But who you are as a man is the most important thing as it comes to, to, to me as a dad. Your character, your commitment, your work ethic, if you have those things in check, then you'll lead your family well, then you'll serve God well. And for me, that's most important. One last thing, if you over-discipline and you rarely have fun with your kids, you're gonna provoke them to anger. You've heard us say this many times before, but rules without relationship equals rebellion. If you're the kind of guy that you're like tote the line, man, and you like do this and do that, don't do that. And if you step outside of these boundaries, then I'm gonna lay the hammer down and you're harsh and you're critical and you're stern and you don't work on, on the relational side of things with your kids. You're not having fun with them. You're not enjoying them. Then I'm telling you, 100% of the time, rebellion when they hit the teenage years in their life. Sometimes I believe it's okay just to enjoy your kids. I'm, one of my gifts is just teaching. And so I teach all the time, every week. You guys hear me. And so I can teach my kids every single day. Son, you shouldn't do that. You should actually do this and you should do that. You know, 
I work on him, you know, with, with, with basketball for him right now. And it's like his shot isn't perfect and I could always correct it and tweak it. But, but there's a point to where we're, we're kind of overly critical. I love what one author says. Uh, his name is Tim Westman in his book, Being a Good Dad When You Didn't Have One. And he says this, I, I wanna give dads a two word piece of advice and it is lighten up, <laughs> lighten up. Because I think for dads, and I think the scripture speaks to this, that we can provoke to anger. We can become overly critical or, or harsh on our kids because we can become the my way or the highway type parents. Here's what he says. He says, adults laugh an average of 15 times a day while children laugh 400 times a day. Somewhere between childhood and adulthood, we lose 385 laughs a day. Well, that's kind of sad, you know, if you're an adult in the room, you're like, man, we are, you know, stuck in the mud. We're no fun to be around. And, and, I, and I think the point there is, 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 is for dads, and this speaks to me, like sometimes I got to lighten up. Like every opportunity and every situation isn't the right time to correct. Man, I want to correct and I want to discipline, absolutely. But sometimes it's not the right time. Sometimes I just have to enjoy them and be around them. Now, that's for me because I err on this side. Now, the flip side, the other area that, that a dad might, might err in is the passive dad. Do whatever you want. I don't care. Ask your mother. Wait till your mother comes home and she'll decide what your punishment is. You know, totally disengaged emotionally, disengaged with the discipline and not really doing anything. And, and, and for that dad, he needs to get his tail in gear and engage and parent with purpose and stop being a, a passive dad. He's going to provoke his children to anger by not being engaged with them and not, not giving them the boundaries and the rules that they so desperately need. So step one, he says, don't provoke your children to anger. Secondly, he gives us a positive encouragement, which is to bring them up with correction and the counsel of the Lord. The words he uses here are the words discipline and instruction. Now, anytime I see the word discipline, sometimes for me, it comes across in a negative light. It's like a negative connotation when we see that word discipline, because we automatically might assume that it means that we have to be harsh or we have to be, you know, uh, stern. And that's not really the, the, the intention, I think, of this verse. The word discipline just simply means to, to train or to learn. We actually get the word disciple from that same word. And, and a disciple is somebody who follows and, and learns as they follow, you know. And so, so for a child, in much the same way, they are learning as they follow us, as they follow our example, as they follow our, our teaching. And so the instruction here is that we are to correct our kids. You know, so it looks like this. Hey, you know what? If you continue to do this, this is gonna happen, you know? And when they do that, then I'm gonna correct you. And so that means I'm gonna discipline you. And so I'm going to, I'm gonna make sure that I follow through with that discipline. So he says to correct or to discipline. And the next word he uses is the word instruction. And so that word just simply means that you're gonna give verbal instruction or counseling with the intention and the goal of actually correcting them. And so, so the two words here, discipline, instruction, just simply means I'm gonna correct them and I'm gonna counsel them. I'm gonna correct them, I'm gonna counsel them. So what does it mean to correct and to counsel? What does it look like? Well, I think first off, correction and counsel needs to be consistent and it needs to be immediate. 
So when I say the word consistent, what that means is as parents, one of the worst things we can do is to be inconsistent with them. You know, to tell them to do something and to not follow through if they don't. To tell them to do things and and to not check back to make sure that they did them. You know, if we're inconsistent, sometimes it's even in our own life. If we're telling them to live a certain way or to do certain things, and yet we ourselves are not doing them, then obviously we're living a hypocritical lifestyle. We're gonna provoke them to anger. And at the same time, we're showing them inconsistencies in our own personal lives. And so we wanna be consistent with our kids. You know, we tell them to do their homework or or they're not gonna watch TV and they turn the TV on anyway and they start watching TV. And you're like, no, I'm serious. If you don't do your, turn the TV off and go do your homework, you're gonna get it. And they just keep watching TV. Two hours later, they're still watching TV. You know, now it's bedtime, they haven't done their homework and now there's a huge fight and there's a huge argument and and you're mad at them and you're like, well, if you just put the time into turning the TV off and walking them to their room and opening their books and calmly telling them, you will do your homework (laughs) and I will check this homework. And if it's not done correctly, you'll do it again. (laughs) And, and, And if you don't do it, then I'm gonna let you get a bad grade. And then I'm gonna hire a tutor and you're gonna stay two hours after school every day. And you're gonna work on this and you won't go to practice. And I'll take that iPhone and I'll take the iPad and there's not gonna be a TV in your room. And all of those things, certainly it won't take that much, but you get the idea. Like there are, there are rules and then when they're broken, I follow through and I don't have to yell about it. And I don't have to be mean about it. I don't have to be harsh about it. I just kind of tell you like it is. And then you can cry and rant and rave and throw a fit and whatever. But at the end of the day, you ain't gonna have a phone in your room. That's how this deal works, all right? And so, so I wanna keep my calm as I walk them through this counsel and correction consistently. Now, immediately, I say immediately because a lot of times we have one parent that'll say, wait till your dad gets home or wait till mom gets home, whatever. It's like, if I'm there in the moment, then I wanna be responsible for immediately disciplining the kids right then and right there. Now, if it's a big deal and I need to talk to my wife about how we're gonna handle this, we're gonna do that, but we're always gonna be committed to doing it before bedtime, before we go to sleep. Here's the deal. If we wait until the next day or the next day or the weekend, then the the effectiveness of that discipline decreases. Think about it in terms of being a pet owner. Um, think of it for a minute. Now, now totally different than parenting, but here, here's the deal. We got a dog for our kids this Christmas. And so we're going through the whole potty training, the, the, the animal deal again. So I'm reading a bunch of books, watching DVDs, Caesar Milan, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, how do you do this? And so, so here's the deal. If you see that, you know, your, your pet, you know, had a little accident in the bedroom, right? And you can tell it's been there for a couple of hours. He's in there laying in front of the fire snoozing, you know. It does no good to go in there and yell at him, take the newspaper and beat him, rub his nose in it and kick him outside. That dog's like, what the heck is going on here? You know, he doesn't remember because they live in the moment. They don't know, you know, what, what you're doing after that, that. You have to catch them in the act. When you correct them in the act, then a dog will learn. Now, in, the, in, in much the same way, if, you're, if you see your kids cross one of your rules, one of your boundaries, and then you don't discipline them until the weekend or next week, or you don't discipline them at all, then you're teaching them that, hey, it's okay. It's like mom has rules, but she doesn't, she doesn't really care. And so kids are constantly gonna push 
your envelope. They're constantly going to be testing where that line is and they're going to be pushing that line. And the older they get, the harder that they will push. And so you want to be consistent. You want to be immediate when you're correcting. Now, all kids need boundaries. All kids need rules. I mean, that's, that's, that's a no-brainer. But here's what happens when you don't uh, follow through with the boundaries that you set in your home. Your kids will start making the rules. And if you're not gonna lead your kids, I promise you, they will start leading you. They will start dictating your schedule. They will start dictating where you're gonna eat and what you're gonna eat. They will start dictating how you're gonna spend your money. They will start dictating what you're gonna watch on TV, what movies they're gonna see. and how. I mean, they will run the show if you let them. Parents have to step up and lead. And that means you're gonna have to parent with purpose. This can't just be you know, whatever, you've got to think through this and you've got to understand that God has put you in their life to teach them how to be dependent upon him, not how to be dependent upon you. I think parents um, who struggle with their kids, you know, in, in discipline and sometimes, you know, they blame their kid on just being hyperactive or ADHD. And I know that stuff's real and a lot of people are on different ways. So I'm not trying to offend anybody, but a lot of people will medicate their kids today. And I personally wouldn't do that. But, um, but uh, here, here's the deal. Here's, here's what I've learned. And sometimes exercise is really the, the key to some of these kids. I know I have some kids that are, that are just have a lot of energy and um, I, I take notes from my in-laws um, when Pastor Greg, don't tell him I said this, but when Pastor Greg was a kid, um, he was one of these kids that was just super, super active, bouncing off the walls. And so what they did, they bought him a punching bag and they put it out in the garage. And anytime he got into one of those kind of deals, they just said, all right, out in the garage, hit the bag. He'd go out there and he would light that thing up as an eight-year-old kid. You know, he would just tear it up, come back in after he kind of expelled all that energy, different kid. It's like, oh, well, there's something to that, you know? And I, I think there's a lot to the, the exercise thing because obviously kids in America today are, are becoming more and more obese and, and, and so that's an issue. And so one of the things I've learned as, as a coach, like coaching my kids and, and um, helping like, especially eight-year-old boys. I don't know if you know anything about eight-year-old boys, but they can be a handful, especially if you're trying to teach them how to play basketball. Um, and so I remember like, you know, having them there and they're, they're jumping on each other, they're headlocking. The last thing they want to do is listen to me talk about basketball. And so I'm trying to be productive. And how do I get their attention? And I could yell and I could scream and I can get mad and I don't want to hurt my relationships. So here's what I'm going to do. Everybody get on the line. That's what I'm going to do. We're going to run. So ready, go. And they take off running in the first sprint. They think it's fun. It's like, oh yeah, we're running and this is fun. And sprint two, it's like, yeah, you know. And sprint three, it's like, what the heck's going on, you know. And it's like four and five sprint. It's like, my rule is however old they are, that's how long they need to run to get their attention. So if they're eight years old, they need eight minutes of flat out sprints. And so after eight minutes of running, I have their attention. I didn't have to yell. I didn't have to curse. I didn't have to do anything. All I had to do was say, run. They get done running. Now we can have practice. See, see how that deal works? Sometimes your kids, especially if it's raining outside, they haven't been outside in a while, they just need to go run. They need to exercise. They need to enjoy, um, you know, just some physical exertion to, to let off some steam, to let off some, some stress in their life. So exercise is a, is a huge thing, I think, for kids. And, and so I would suggest focusing more on their character, their commitment, their work ethic, um, understanding that, um, parenting with purpose, and, and realizing this. The most important thing I can do 
is model to them what a relationship with Jesus looks like. And so I don't wanna just be a, a Christian in title. I don't wanna just be a Christian on Sunday morning. I want my Christianity to affect the way that I live my life. I want them to hear me say the name of Jesus every day. I want them to hear me pray. I wanna encourage them to begin to learn how to pray. I want, to, I want them to know that every decision that I'm making and every, every area of my life is flowing through the lens of what does God want me to do? And so I wanna say that, what does God want me to do? Well, what does God want you to do? How do you think God would handle this situation? How would Jesus want you to deal with this? And so I wanna have that conversation with them because I don't just want the, the title of Christianity. I don't just want the, a certain set of behaviors to be um, the, the main goal. I want them to know who Jesus is and to figure out that relationship on their own. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't wanna um, raise a diva, right? I don't want a selfish, self-centered, you know, everything's all about me, kid. And so I came up with an acronym for the word diva because I figured we could all remember that. So if you're taking notes, I don't wanna raise a diva. Go home and talk about this and, and, and think through this. The first letter is D, that, that stands for discipline. We've been talking about that. So what's our plan of discipline? Where are areas in our life that we need to, you know, to lock it down more? And where are some areas that we need to give them some freedom? They're a little bit older now. And so I can, I can, I can give them some more freedom in these areas. What are our, what are our boundaries and rules and, 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 and how do they um, 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 apply to their life? The next letter is I, and that stands for instruction. So how are we counseling them? How are we giving them counsel and how are we instructing them? And, and what does that look like in our, in our life daily with our kids? And, and how do we interact with them? What are we teaching them currently? And as a matter of fact, what are the things we wanna teach them? I mean, every, every year we come up with three areas that we want our kids to really focus on. So when they were little, we, we were, you know, maybe it was you know, not being selfish and sharing their toys. And so that would kind of be our focus. And so that would kind of run through our mind no matter what we were doing, we were thinking through that in mind. So what are the things we want them to learn this year? The letter V stands for value. So what am I showing them um, right now that's important? What, what are the most important things in life? Am I valuing just winning the game and scoring points? Am I valuing just sports in general? Or am I value, valuing their character and, and, and their commitment and their work ethic? What does that look like for us? I don't want to raise a diva. I want to focus on the, the things that are truly important in life. And then finally, the A stands for activity. What kind of exercise are they involved in? Because it's huge in a kid's life. So, so one of the things that we do is we'll take them to the gym, we'll run, we'll ride bikes, we'll do whatever we can do. Physically, it's good for me as a dad too to make sure I'm active and stewarding my body well. But for my kids, they've got to burn off some of that steam and some of that energy and some of that stuff. You know, we're asking our kids to sit in a chair, you know, for eight hours a day at school and then come home and do homework. And it's like, where's the time to expel some of this energy and, and experience some of this adventure, uh, especially for our boys. So I wanna encourage you guys to go home, discuss this, and then begin to, to look at and think about what would it look like if we really truly started to parent with purpose and we changed the way that we did these things. What if we went to the bookstore, we bought some books on parenting, we actually read them together. We have to read them all in one day, but we, we, we started to read through something, get some ideas start to talk to other parents who are in the same life stage. How are you doing this? Because ultimately we want our kids to love God, stay connected to the church and, and, and to, to not only, not so they can be perfect because they're not, but how can we help them avoid some of the scars 
um, in life that some of their friends are going to experience. I'm going to close with this story. This is from John MacArthur's book, The Fulfilled Family. He says this about what one father said as his kids were, had, had been raised and out of the house and he looked back upon his, his time when his kids were in the house. He said, if I had it to do all over again, this is what I'd do. He said, I would love my wife more in front of my children. He said, I would laugh with my children more at our mistakes and our joys. He said, I would listen more even to the littlest child. He said, I would be more honest about my own weaknesses, never pretending to be perfect. I would pray differently for my family. Instead of focusing on them, I'd focus on me. I'd do more things together with my children and I would encourage them more and give more praise. He said, I would pay more attention to little things like deeds and words of thoughtfulness. And then finally, he said, if I had it to do all over again, I would share God more intimately with my family. Every ordinary thing that happened in every ordinary day, I would use to direct them to God. You know, the great thing about parenting is that we can learn and grow from other people's mistakes. And so I wanna encourage you today to, to take what we've shared, to, to, to hear what God has spoken to you, to talk to them with your spouse, to begin to dissect some of this stuff, and begin to put a plan together to begin to raise your children on purpose. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your word. And even though, Lord, we don't always get it, um, we know that your word is easy to understand. It's not always easy to do. But we thank you for writing this book for us, that we could read it and know the direction that we should go in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray for parents in this room to be bold, to be confident, to be strong. I pray for change to take place in their marriage and in their parenting skills. I pray, Lord, that um, they, would, they would hold true to your word and not, not provoke children to anger, but, but understand what it means to discipline and correct and, and do that appropriately in the eyes of the Lord. Father, bless our families, bless our homes. We ask that you go with us now. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week as we close out this series. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online.